welcome in once again to another edition of Hatter Chatter, the podcast presented by Insight Credit Union. I'm your host, Ricky Hazel, and I'm excited today to be joined by the commissioner of the ASUN Conference, Ted Gumbart. Ted, welcome in. Well, thanks for having me on. Fine. You got the full pandemic look going on with the beard. Yes, I have uh, gone without shaving since the uh, cancellation of our uh, basketball championship for the women's final. And uh, my plan, at least for the moment, is to leave it growing until we play an A-Sun game. Uh, so we'll see what we'll see what happens there. Was there a point in the process where it got to where it didn't bother you anymore? Or do you, have you gotten used uh, to it? You know, I think the longest I'd gone is like two weeks previously. And that's just bristly, you know, and it yeah. itches and it's scratchy. And you're like, ah, man. And now it uh, doesn't really bother me. The only thing is the uh, every once in a while you reach up to scratch yourself and you're like, oh, I do have scraggly whiskers up there. Uh, so it still surprises me every once in a while. <laughs> it's a good look. It's distinguished for you. Thank you. So let's go back and talk about your uh, your upbringing. And I don't even know where your hometown is. I know you went to Lafayette College, which is about halfway between New York City and, and Philadelphia. But uh, where'd you grow up and what was your uh, what was your youth like? I grew up in North Haven, Connecticut, and I went to public school throughout. Uh, it was a great experience. I loved school. Uh, I loved, it was like, you know, I took the bus from the same corner every day for 13 years, kindergarten wow. and, and every day uh, we lived at the same house. And uh, it was like free transportation to go hang out with your friends. So I, I loved it. And, uh, you know, we stood out there by ourselves. You know, there was about eight, nine, ten neighborhood kids and, uh, you know, whether it was snowing, raining, freezing, you know, we didn't, our parents never came with the car and let us sit as I can't even imagine that. It's like, that's what <laughs> raincoats were for. Uh, but it was tremendous. We, we played all sports. Uh, we played neighborhood games, like kick the can and capture the flag. And, uh, we, we built a kickball court on the road and we learned, uh, how to accommodate differences in age, uh, gender, ability, strength. And we accommodated those, you know, the, sure. the little kids uh, had a little different way they could get on base and the big kids uh, accommodated. And uh, so all the lessons that can be taught in athletics, uh, you know, we, we had it. And uh, when we got a little bit older and could ride our bikes down to the, the local elementary school, we used to play softball and baseball and basketball on those courts. And, uh, you know, there's a jungle gym and, and uh, swings and slides and, uh, we played on all of them. There were no fences. It just, it was a different time. And uh, so, yeah, I had a wonderful childhood. Uh, you know, the difference in having unconditional love from, from parents uh, and then growing up in a troubled situation. Uh, again, I can uh, sympathize with folks that had a troubled upbringing, but I was, uh, you know, we were probably upper middle class. Uh, my dad drove a used Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I remember when I was small enough to sit behind the back seat. (laughs) So we had, we had, we had a good time. We had a loving family Had three brothers. We're all two years apart, which I think is the, uh, gap that provides the greatest competition. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, my mom said we were all terrible while we were 13 and 14 years old, you know? Uh, so she had eight years in a row where one of her kids was either 13 or 14. Wow. So we've modified history in the family uh, get-togethers now to just talk about how supportive and loving we were to our mother 
uh, and uh, you know that's a little bit of revisionist history. And every game we played ended up in the end being some version of kill the guy with the ball. Uh, <laughs> that's the way it's supposed so, to be when you're a kid, isn't it? Yep. Oh, whatever it is, you pile on. You know, we invented games, and they were just different versions of you know pile on. <laughs> that's what it was all about. Still have family in Connecticut. Uh, I still have family in Connecticut. Uh, my dad passed away in uh, uh, 10, 2010, and my mom lives at an assisted facility there where she's going, uh, she's going strong. They've controlled the COVID situation, talked to her a couple times a week, and, uh, you know, so she's great. I have uh, a brother in Connecticut, I have a brother in Boston, and I have a brother in uh, Boulder, Colorado. So Still stay close with those guys? Yeah, we still get along. We, we do Zooms now. Uh, you know, we get mom on, make sure she can hear and everything gets hooked in. And then we, you know, we catch up with each other. And uh, yeah, we, we're very blessed that we all like, respect and love each other and uh, enjoy each other's company. So what kind of athlete were you as a kid? I think I hit my peak in the nine to 12 year old uh, level. Uh, and I uh, had a trophy shelf, you know, where I had, uh, I came in second in the punt, pass and kick. And the guy that beat me went to like the national semifinals. He was at halftime of the Jets Giants game. And uh, so, you know, I was okay, but always a little bit from the top. Uh, I did play uh, soccer uh, most of my youth because my brothers were football players. I was third of the four. And, uh, when I signed up for football and went in and got weighed, I can't remember if it was 75 or 80 pounds. <laughs> I didn't weigh enough. So I wasn't allowed to play. It didn't weigh enough. Sure. So uh, if I couldn't play football, I played soccer. Turned out I was pretty good at scoring goals. So I ended up playing soccer through high school and was captain my senior year and uh, was just good enough to be the last guy on the bench at Lafayette College. So I played one year, got hurt, and said, ah, I think it's graceful time to retire before they before they retire me. Insight Credit Union is a proud partner of Stetson University Athletics. Insight has been bringing better banking to Central Florida for nearly 85 years. Insight Credit Union is your local go-to for lower rates on auto and other loans, credit cards, and more. Insight Credit Union and you, better together. So, so growing up, Connecticut's kind of a melting pot. Was it New York? Was it Philadelphia? Was it Boston? Who, who were your teams? You were right. We were right on the line there uh, where most people were New York or uh, Boston. Uh, I would say it was predominantly New York. Uh, there's a New Haven, Connecticut has a huge uh, Italian population and that tended to lean towards DiMaggio. Mm -hmm. uh, so my generation, uh, the parents were the, the fans and they passed it on, of course. Sure. Well, I had an uncle who was a Red Sox fan. And he took me to my first game at Fenway. Uh, can't remember. Maybe I was 13 years old. Enrico Petroselli hit a three-run homer in extra innings. They won three to nothing. And uh, that was it. I became a Red Sox fan for life. Uh, Carl Yastrzemski was my favorite player. Uh, I cut a eight out of a sheet of felt and got my mom to stitch it on the back of an old Jersey. <laughs> so I had a number eight Jersey. Uh, yeah. Yaz is still, you know, my favorite athlete, uh, Havlicek in uh, basketball was a Celtics fan. Yeah. And uh, of course, Bobby Orr and uh, Johnny Busick and that crew for the Boston Bruins. 
It didn't translate to football, though. We, for some reason, we had cousins in in Texas, and we were cowboy fans, which wow. you know, growing up was real easy to do. I mean, Landry and the Cowboys were good every year, and they were a national game more often than the Giants were were pretty pitiful. The Pats were pretty pitiful, uh, and you know, now I don't I don't follow football as much. Uh, it's college football, you know, sure. in our life. But, uh, yeah, still Red Sox is the primary team and, uh, you know, don't watch as much as I once did, but still enjoy the Red Sox on the radio. Right. So how'd you wind up at Lafayette? Uh, well, short answer is the only college I got into. <laughs> That's not true. I, uh, I, I didn't want to go too far. I uh, wasn't that interested in being a long way away and, uh, had no idea what I was going to do in college. It was just next. It was like 13th grade. You know, I was like, yeah. well, your family has saved the money and now you're going to college. And I was like, okay. And, uh, so I didn't do much, uh, visiting, you know, we just went to a few places, went to visit Dartmouth where my dad went. And, uh, I just remember it was freezing cold and they have a ski festival and ice. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like ice. I don't want to ski. Uh, so I didn't even apply there. Uh, and, uh, so I think I applied to, uh, Williams, which is a really small school and very selective, uh, might've applied to Amherst. I can't remember. Uh, but Lafayette, uh, seemed like a good fit. They had these little, uh, cards, you know, there wasn't a computer to do it. They had these little cards and you put them in a, uh, a slot and with each card you put in, it filtered the, the, uh, you know, the options that met your, met your criteria. So I would guess the, the primary reason was that it was a close, uh, knit community. It was a walking campus and, uh, you know, it, it worked for me. It was in Easton, Pennsylvania, Larry Holmes, that's right. the champ, uh, was from Easton. He was the Easton assassin, yeah. but yeah, we, we saw Larry a time or two on campus. He'd come to a football game or something. And, uh, so yeah, I, uh, Ended up at Lafayette and uh, went through my, got my degree, economics, and uh, ended up going from there to Stetson. And uh, just from a Lafayette standpoint, pretty much disconnected for 30 years. Wow. And then the internet technology, uh, about three years ago, I sent an email to five guys. I uh, said, hey, you have anybody else's email address that we were you know, on campus together? Because I had no intention of joining a fraternity. That was a foreign thing to me. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Well, at Lafayette, that was your primary social dining and housing option. Unless you wanted to live in a dorm for four years uh, or go off campus, uh, that was the best place to be. And they had right. better dining plans, uh, gave you a place to hang out. And so I did join one. I was a Chi Phi. And we now have 130 brothers from, uh, you know, over a 30 year time span that are linked up in a, a group email. So pretty cool that uh, today's technology allows us to do stuff like this. Much of an adjustment from going from North Haven to Easton? No, not really. Uh, you know, pretty similar. We drive, we went through the city for different things, you know, in high school and later. Love going to the city. Uh, love leaving the city. <laughs> so <laughs> it was good for me to have that and, uh, you know, drive from North Haven to Easton's probably three hours or so. Pretty easy. 
But, you know, we never went home. You went to college and yeah. I don't think I spoke to my parents for two months. You know, we didn't have cell phones, computers. You had a, a pay phone in the lobby of the dorm room and you right. never answered it because then you'd have to go look for somebody and uh, sure. you'd never find them. And you'd spend five minutes and then they'd take you to like leave a message. So nobody ever picked it up. You know, you're, if you're if you had to talk to your parents, they wrote you a letter and said at two o'clock on Saturday, the 13th, I'm going to call you on the payphone. You need to be there to say hi to your grandmother. It's her birthday. You know, so uh, that's about it. You know, they we were set free. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned you played JV uh, soccer at Lafayette, but you also made a run at rugby a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what we want to call it. Uh I uh, had a bunch of friends that played and uh, I still didn't realize how small I was, I guess, uh, because, uh, you know, we played in high school, we played tackle football pickup games and right. uh, they were awesome. We, we climbed the fence and got on the high school field and played football. And uh, the, the teams we usually played six on six or seven on seven. And it was all out tackle. And uh we were all on some team, you know, I was on the soccer team. A couple other guys were with me. Uh, we had the captain of the swim team. We had the captain of the golf team. We had uh, cross country captains. Uh, you know, uh, we're all on some teams and the coaches always say, now don't play any football, you know? So get hurt. we did. And yeah, I, I dislocated my shoulder in one of those pickup football games and uh, uh, didn't, didn't really know what had happened. If you ever saw the old video of Burt Jones for the Colts coming off the field, you know, with the dislocated shoulder, right. uh, I can relate to that. It hurt a lot. Uh, but we didn't go directly to the hospital because we're idiots. Uh, <laughs> went to a friend's house that was walking distance from the field, hung out there, you know, wondering what we were going to do. And uh, it hurt so much. I'm sure I was in some sort of shock. Uh but well, we went into the bathroom and the guy was lifting my arm. I said, yeah, that's better. That's better. That's better. And, and as he pushed his, my elbow up to the parallel, my shoulder it popped back in. And uh, so we, uh, I just took off a couple weeks and didn't, didn't do anything. And uh, gosh, it was like four years later I had the surgery. But uh, so, yeah, I, I admit that uh, the, the clashing of bodies in football and rugby sounded appealing and so I went out for rugby, uh, practiced, enjoyed it, learned the rules, uh, got into my first game. You know, it was a club sport. So we had the A team and the B team. And uh, I played on the C team. <laughs> uh, so I, I finally got in the game. And uh, uh, as a kicker in soccer, you know, I, I could hit the ball pretty good with my foot. So we had a foul that called for either a free uh, – uh, pass or a free kick. And I said, let me kick it. I kicked it, made the field goal. And, uh, so I was started my career with three points and uh, perfect field goal percentage. And about two minutes later, tackled a guy with a beautiful football tackle where you drill your shoulder into his sternum. Mm -hmm. And it's not really necessary in rugby because there's no first downs. That extra yard means nothing. You got to drop the ball when you hit the ground. And uh, anyway, laid that big guy out. And uh, by the time the scrum was over, I was at the bottom and it dislocated the other shoulder. <laughs> and uh, so that was at Princeton and all the doctors were at the football game. And so I sat in the uh, uh, 
uh, infirmary on the Princeton campus for a while until uh, they put that thing back, and that was the end of my rugby career. Geico offers a special discount on car insurance to Stetson alumni. Just visit geico.com to get a free quote and select Stetson alum to see how much you can save. Don't drop the ball when it comes to saving money. Contact Geico today. So Lafayette's known for football. Long tradition of football, especially against the arch rival Lehigh. What do you remember from going to any of those games? Oh, yeah, that was the season. You know, if, if you think about any other rivalry where, uh, you know, if you're Michigan-Ohio State type of uh, game, that if you win that game, the rest of the season, you know, pretty much takes care of itself. For Lafayette, that was the Lehigh game. Uh, it, we called it Lafayette-Lehigh weekend. And uh, all sorts of stuff going on, uh, including a college bowl that we made it to the finals in. Uh, I think our team was called the Lions, uh, in case people wanted to know that. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 uh, we had all sorts of activities. It was great because uh, we still would storm the field and take the goalposts down. And uh, again, stupid thing to do. It was out of, they built it out of wood so it would come apart real easily. Mm-hmm. And it was just sections nailed together. I'm like, oh, that's good. You know, let's get some nails and some splinters and then let's uh, fight over it. And uh, yeah, people got hurt doing that. And I, I think that tradition may have evolved a bit. But uh, that was great. And the Lafayette-Lehigh game is the most played rivalry in the history of college football. They used to play twice a year. So we built up the numbers, and that's still true today. Uh, so pretty cool. Hey, the only thing I got to admit, I didn't go to a lot of Lafayette baseball games. And uh, one of my fraternity brothers who was on the team was, uh, you know, a catcher and a power hitter. And he used to tell me, he'd, he'd call me over and go, Ted, Ted, come here. And uh, it was whenever he decided to be the, uh, you know, the uncle giving advice guy. And I uh, said, just remember chicks dig the long ball and uh, that's what he would tell me and I don't know why because it wasn't like I was going to join the baseball team and start clubbing home runs and it really didn't help me much in my social uh, uh, interactions but it was good to know. So how did you find your way from eastern Pennsylvania to the land Florida? Well that has very specific uh, uh, ties and it has to do with the COSIDA convention, the sports information directors. Yeah. Uh, I had found that that was more appealing to me than banking and accounting, that uh, it seemed athletics and communications were where I spent all of my free time. Uh, you know, at Lafayette, when I wasn't in class, I was either in a game, at a game, writing for the newspaper, uh, doing a radio show. And uh, so I finally went and met with the career counselors and they said, uh, you know, you ever look at your interests? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I applied for internships in sports information. And uh, the convention happened to be in Boston, so I could drive up there. And I met Dick Westervelt. And Mm -hmm. amongst the people I interviewed with, Dick uh, and I just hit it off. I mean, he's from Springfield, Massachusetts. And folks who don't know Dick Westervelt, he he was the SID and uh, the voice of the Hatters for, for decades and right. passed away recently, you know, probably uh, four or five years now, I guess. But uh, Dick and I became uh, close friends very quickly. I decided going to Florida uh, would, would be a nice place to go continue my education. And uh, Dick offered me the job. I came down for a graduate assistantship 
and uh, just turned out that uh, ended up being a seven-year stay. Got a full-time job and loved my experience. It's the place I bought my first house in Deland, Florida. Uh, it was great going home for lunch, man. That was, that was the life. So how much have you seen Deland and Stetson change since you first set foot on the campus? Oh, it's changed so much. And, you know, if, if you've been there for, for long enough to see the change, uh, you can talk about, well, I remember when. And then if you're uh, a newcomer, uh, th- that has absolutely no interest to people. They, they don't want to hear what it used nope. to be like. You know, they don't care. Nope. So you have to find those old, long-time uh, residents to talk about that stuff. But, uh, you know, the campus has matured so much. I mean, the you know, Jeff Altier building building facilities. I mean, Conrad Park, I don't know how many folks remember the old park that used to hang around and watch games there. Uh, but uh, yeah, Hatters always had leaders and triples because that was a hard park to hit the ball out of. But when the gaps were 400 and you got one running in the gap, you know, it took a while for them to go find it. And uh, so we had a lot of triples in the day, but uh yeah, it's changed a lot. And uh, I tell people when I was a, a graduate student and we played UCF in just about every sport. So we'd go over yeah. there. Uh, we would take the back way. You know, we'd go over a few railway tracks. We'd go through the, the, the farms and the fields with the cattle and then would show up at UCF and just bing, you're home. And uh, now, uh, I don't know. It's got like a super highway between those two places and everything in the world exists uh, between Deland and Orlando. Uh, so uh, that's the way, you know, things, things grow, things change, but uh, it's thanks for bringing that up to remind me that I've been around for a while. Haven't we all? So you, <laughs> so you, uh, you spend time, you're a GA, you get the full-time job. And the next thing you know, Dick retires and you're running the shop. What was the what was the growth and the transition like to taking over and running things here? Yeah, it was actually a lot of fun because I, I really enjoyed the people I worked with. You know, Stetson was a community that that matched, much like Lafayette was a community where you could participate in so many different things. Uh, we we played noon basketball. Uh, I know Al Worley passed recently. He did, and uh, longtime uh, Stetson. Uh, employee and supporter and baseball fan, but he played, you know, basketball at UConn. So he and I had a good relationship, but, you know, he played noon basketball. Some professors did some, some of the staff people, everything from custodial to painters and, uh, and folks like me. Uh, So it was, it was a good community. And uh, when I got a chance to be full-time, I had the support of the people in the department. I mean, Jeff and I are, are uh, pretty close in our, uh, you know, starting our graduate studies and doing our uh, GAs at the same time and coming on full time. But uh, from the secretaries, uh, Cora and Seal that were out front to uh, everybody, they just made it easy. So it was fun to go to work. I was learning stuff every day. We were just beginning, you know, the computer side of the industry. And, uh, you know, I, I had no other ties. So it, w- it was great to be able to, to jump in. Uh, you know, sports information is a demanding role. And uh, I think that's why it has to evolve for the veterans. You, you just can't go to everything. But at that point, I did. You know, you showed up early and you stayed through the game and you cleaned up afterwards and it was okay. Uh, So, yeah, it was uh, a great 
learning experience and a great community experience. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Want to stay up to date on all things happening in Hatter Nation? Follow us on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts at Stetson Hatters, your destination for in-game stats, student-athlete features, game promotions, and more. Follow at Stetson Hatters today. So you already mentioned Dick Westerfeld. He was one of the guys I wanted to ask you about, but I had a couple other guys on my list I wanted to ask you about that you would have known and have stories about. Roger Gilmore is one. Yeah, well, I'll t- i got to tell one more Dick story, and then I'll talk all to right, Roger. Dick uh, and I used to go on the road to broadcast some road baseball games. Mm-hmm. There was no formal, uh, you know, series uh, agreement with the radio. But since, you know, he had such a good relationship with the radio station, you know, it used to be owned by Stetson and then had become a commercial uh, station at the time. But he'd call him up and say, hey, can we get some time on this weekend to do the game? And if it could be worked out, you know, they just defer the – uh, the uh, national broadcast that they were going to do on something else and put right. the game on. And they liked the games. And so if we could work it out, then we'd get in Dick's Chevrolet, uh, you know, the station wagon, and we'd drive to the campus, you know, get a hotel room. And uh, generally the games would be at night. And mm-hmm. so we would play golf uh, in the afternoon. And uh, that was one of the greatest things going uh, on the road with Dick because we'd tell all sorts of stories and, you know, it was fabulous. So you get a couple hours in the car then you go have dinner, you know, and, and the next day you get up and we go play golf. We usually got set up at a nice place by somebody at the uh, athletic department we were visiting. And uh, then you go back, clean up, put your, uh, you know, your Stetson shirt on, go to the game and broadcast a baseball game. I mean, can you imagine what – What's better than that? Uh, so that was great. And, and Dick uh, was a, a, you know, a World War II veteran, as my father was. And uh, he was like my Florida father. You know, I, I, he, he was uh, that close. Uh, we, we really enjoyed each other's company. And uh, so that was fantastic. The, the Roger Gilmore, man, he, he was the – he hired uh, – Dick hired Roger – at the, uh, the newspaper. And, uh, so he became the, the primary writer for Stetson athletics and whether it was basketball or anything else, there's Roger. He'd be sitting in the corner and he'd have his camera. And so he would take the picture, develop the picture, write the story, uh, edit the story, cut the story. You know, when you take cut and paste, you know, they literally cut and pasted the story. Uh, and uh, so Roger became an ever present. And uh, uh, those that know him, he's so low key. Uh, you know, if, if anyone could could do their job and be invisible, uh, it was Roger. So humble, but uh, it just a guy that you would expect to work in the land because every right. time you saw him, it was a smile uh, it was good to see him. And, uh, yeah, Roger Gilmore was synonymous with, uh, DeLand and, and Stetson sports. And I think he's got a, a little league field. Is that still named for him? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. He was, you know, he was, he was so beloved here and it was, uh, a big crowd came out for his memorial after he passed. And, you know, it was, uh, obviously he was very much loved here. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I've been doing a lot of uh, during this time is I've been working on, trying to update and embellish Stetson's athletic history on our website. And one of the guys that's really important in cataloging all that history was Jim Jordan. 
how much did you get to know Jim and how much did you work with him? Yeah, I knew, I knew him. He'd pop in every once in a while. I think he might've been retired or retired during the time. And uh, he, he had such an ebullience about him, like wherever he was, he was, you know, he was action. He'd come in like, hey, can you believe this? Uh, and, and he and Dick, you know, would talk and Dick would be the sit back and calm. And, you know, for a while, Dick had that pipe, you know, that, uh, that curved pipe and he'd just sit back and, you know, pull his pipe out of his mouth and said, really, Jordan, what do you think you're doing? And, and, and Jim, Jim would talk about stuff. And uh, yeah, he was uh, really into uh, keeping stuff uh, to make sure that the stories, you know, weren't lost. Uh, but uh, yeah, again, one of that crowd, uh, you know, like Spike Israel uh, was in that crowd. There was just a number that uh, really loved Stetson sports and, uh, you know, could tell you, I mean, that oral history that gets lost when, you know, somebody does pass on. Uh, I, I hope in, in my grand vision of the, the universe that that just gets transferred. You know, it goes mm-hmm. to some other realm and we'll all get a chance to get there eventually. And uh, because th- th- there's too much that uh, has to be shared from the stories those guys had. Uh, you know, the world's a different place. You know, what we're doing here on the computer yeah. didn't happen. You you got together with people and you entertained yourself. So I think in general, and it may just be the old curmudgeon in me, uh, but I think people were, were better at entertaining themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, now we rely on a screen to entertain us. I'm playing a game. I'm watching a movie. I'm doing this. And uh, that that wasn't there. You had to do it yourself. So you, you got out and had an activity or you sat and talked. And, uh, yeah, people actually used to do that. Just get together and talk. Doesn't happen much anymore. Now, there were two legendary coaches, obviously, that Stetson has had over the years. And I'm sure you have stories from both of them, Glenn Wilkes and Pete Dunn. Give me, give me your Glenn Wilkes and Pete Dunn stories. Oh man! And keep and keep them as uh, clean. Yeah, I was going to say can. you got to put the filter on for the public audience. Uh, we we laughed uh, a lot when we go on the road. Uh, Glenn Bricky was part of that crew too, because as the athletic mm-hmm. trainer, you know you're part of that crew that's there early and there late. And uh, so Dick and Glenn uh, Bricky and me. And, uh, you know, depending on the sport, some of the assistant coaches, so Rick Hall and, and Jeff or, uh, you know, it was Frank Burnell, if it was basketball, uh, we laughed a lot and, and, you know, with no apologies. I said, uh, so uh, I tell people now, I said, look, if, if you find something funny that I did and, and it brings a laugh, uh, you know, and, and never feel guilty about it because, you know, it goes two ways and I, I, I love laughter, but, uh, uh, one Pete story that, uh, uh, still, st- <laughs> I still laugh thinking about it now, uh, old Conrad park. Uh, we got a, uh, uh, tournament, I think going on. I'm up in the press box, uh, doing PA and the scoreboard. I think it's spring break. So your normal crew isn't available. So you double up and, uh, if it's a tournament, you're there all day. So you're probably eating peanuts uh, from the uh, concession stand and, you know, you're drinking Cokes and all that. Uh, and uh, for those that don't know, Pete was kind of a stickler for the uh, the count. 
keep that count accurate. You know, if it's two and one, you know, in baseball, everything matters because uh, that's one of the reasons I love baseball because the score and the pitcher versus the, the batter, uh, are you going to pitch inside or outside? Are you going to pitch him? You know, you're going to set him up with this pitch. You're going to challenge him with this pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great, you know, chess match. And uh, yeah. so I understand he wants the, the count to be right uh, uh, on the scoreboard. Now, uh, if you're relying on the scoreboard, I'd say, eh, you know, you might, you might best know the count if you're the batter or the catcher. Uh, but he would get out of the dugout and walk out to where when he turned around, he could see the press box. And so he'd come out and walk out and just yell up and say, hey, get the count. And uh, so I'm up there and uh, just a graduate student doing my best and uh, probably eating. And I can tell you, this is true. Uh, it was during the NCAA tournament and we had a TV up there and Louisville won it that year. Uh, I can't remember who their big center was, but uh, we had the game on. It wasn't just me. Everybody's, uh, you know, keeping track of the NCAA tournament. It's a big sure. deal. So uh, I think he might have said, uh, you know, it says, quit watching the game. Watch this game. Get the count right. And uh, so no matter what, you're called out publicly. Everybody in the stands knows, you know, oh, yeah. that's Gumbard up there doing, you know, because they can hear me on PA. I mean, obviously, it's sure. me. So I, I felt, you know, uh, you know, bad and all. And, and then I checked and it uh, turns out I had the count right. So just kind of a footnote to the story. It didn't really matter, but I still remember that. It was hilarious. And uh, I can't tell you how many times that happened to me as well. Yep, so I, can, yep. I feel and, for and you. And I still can hear, uh, I can still hear uh, Jim, tell me his last name. Uh, Jordan. Uh, shoot. Uh, doing the Don's Donuts Donuts. Oh, I don't uh, know. That's before my Can't time. remember his name. Boy, that's bad. I'm getting old. Can't remember stuff. But he did the uh, promotions for a while. And one of the things they would give away was a dozen donuts. And the, uh, the, the person who donated them <clears throat> was uh, Don's Donuts. That was the name of the business, Don's Donuts. Right. And you could go into Don's Donuts and buy a cruller or an eclair or a bagel or a donut. And right. so, uh, boy, I'll have to look up. I think I have his email. But Jimmy uh, would have the announcement said, and the lucky winner with this ticket number will win a dozen Don's Donuts donuts and pete hated that he said donuts twice it's like it's don's donuts it's like no the name of the business is don's donuts and what you win are donuts so it's don's donuts with a capital d followed by donuts with a small d and uh i still that was that was hilarious every time he did it we'd all laugh and pete would get steamed (laughs) a dozen don's donuts donuts oh man i don't even know if there's anybody there that remembers that but that was that was funny uh, and funny. Wilkes, uh, you know, God bless him. He, he, uh, was so influential, knew so much. Uh, I still have one of his coaching books that I asked him to sign. Uh, you know, he's a member of so many, uh, halls of fame, including the ASUN wow. hall of fame, uh, nothing but respect for him. And, uh, he was really good friends with, uh, Bill Bibb, who was, you know, my commissioner at the ASUN right. when I first joined and, uh, I would guess that the two stories that, that come to mind when I think about Glenn uh, uh, is the way uh, his voice would, would uh, 
you know, sound on the sidelines. And he just, I, I can't even try to do it, but it was so distinctive. And, uh, you know, whether it was yelling, foul, foul, hey! And, uh, you know, uh, different things that he would yell that the reporters and Lydia Hinshaw was covering the, the hats at the time for the Daytona Beach News Journal. Uh, she and some others decided to nickname him the sheriff uh, because just the way he conducted himself. And he would use the, you know, the finger gun. He'd point at you and mm-hmm. give you a little, you know, he'd see you uh, at the game. And he's walking up to the bench, but he'd see you in the stands They'd give you that little gun and point at you. It's like, all right. And uh, sure, so I just remember that. And, and the, uh, the even the way Lydia, who uh, she, I don't know if Lydia was ever happy, uh, but uh, she was a really good reporter. But uh, she'd say, ah, Glenn, you know, he's just going to say it was a foul. And, uh, and uh, but she had great respect for him. I mean, he was still the sheriff and uh uh coach was awesome i remember i was there with t-shirts for i don't know his 400th victory and then t-shirts for his 500th victory and i was like hey i got one of both you know and uh that was really cool uh but but yeah he was you know stetson athletics for a long time you know the basketball team and then of course we'd go into the baseball and uh when pete started taking him to the ncaa's and 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 beating you know some of the top teams not just in the state but in the country uh, that was a blast. And, uh, I, I loved, I was in North Carolina for the, mm-hmm. uh, super regional and, uh, boy, I remember, you know, just comparing that team to, to maybe the teams that, uh, won three straight in the tack, uh, would have been fun to see those guys play. I guess now we can do it. They have those, uh, fantasy games we should put the, uh, like the, what would be the 88 Hatters against the 2017 Hatters. Is that what it was? 18. 18. 18. Let's do it. Let's Let's do it. We'll make that happen. At Main Street Community Bank of Florida, community is our middle name. Just like the Stetson Hatters are our hometown team, Main Street is your hometown lender. You'll work with local lenders, making local decisions. Decisions that support your community. Main Street Community Bank of Florida. Familiar name. Familiar faces familiar bank. All loans are subject to credit approval. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. So in, uh, I guess, 91 is your last year at Stetson. You go to the New South Women's Athletic Conference as SID. Why did you decide then to make the change? Well, actually, I did that. Uh, the New South work was in conjunction with my Stetson work. Uh, I can't remember okay. the years. But the New South Women's Conference, uh, the TAC didn't have women's sports. It was only men. So started in 85, when they joined the TAC, it was for men's sports. Uh, and women didn't, they were still independent, but they put a league together. Uh, Sherman Day at uh, Georgia State, I think, was the first commissioner. But it was Georgia State, Georgia Southern, Stetson, uh, Florida A&M. Uh, let's see, that's one, two, three, four. Uh, I know uh, FIU and Samford, yeah. I think, came in in year yeah. two, but uh, we're missing we're missing a school Mercer, or two. Mercer and UCF. Mercer and UCF. There you go. I'm glad it's in the record. But uh, Herb <laughs> Reinhardt, uh, who was the SID at FAMU at the time, did the conference work for two years. And uh, Herb uh, was a good friend. He had... Uh, uh, been roommates with Dick Westervelt's son, 
I think at FAMU, I think Herb was a kicker. And, uh, uh, anyway, they were, uh, they were roommates of small world anyway. Uh, but then after two years, you know, I don't know what they gave us a thousand bucks to do the work, but right. he said, Hey, why don't you get Ted to do it? And so I did that for two years. And then I said, why don't you get Davis Fisher at Georgia state to do it? And he did it for a couple of years, but yeah, I put together a media guide and kept the, the record book for the new South women's athletic conference. So when did you go to work for the tech? And what was the 91. transition? Yeah, so, 91. So what was that transition for you? Uh, you know, I, I started uh, putting dots in my calendar when I said, ah, I can't do this anymore. I mean, like I said, being the SID and, and running everything, uh, I started getting an urge to do something else. And, and I didn't know what it was, but I started putting a dot every day. I said, nah, I can't do this anymore. And uh, when those started appearing more and more often, it said, no, nope, it's time to do this. And I think I interviewed for some business jobs. And then the first uh, assistant commissioner job was created for the conference. And they were looking for someone to, you know, basically be the SID, but also start the first uh, television package for the TAC to try to get some games on TV. So uh, I interviewed, I remember Bill Bibb meeting him in the uh, airport and uh, interviewing for that job. And when I got it, uh, Dick Westervelt was a big supporter. Bob Jacoby helped me get that job. And uh, turns out years later, I'm cleaning out Bill's old files. I found a letter Dick wrote on my behalf. And in a nutshell, it said, if you don't hire Ted, you're an idiot. (laughs) So uh, apparently that, that, that uh, worked okay. And I got hired and uh, I've had three careers with, with the tax slash Atlantic sun slash a sun. First I was the SID media guy. And then I uh, became when we, you know, merged that year, 91 was the merger of the new South and the tax. We built the championship policies. I mean, all we did as a conference, we used to ship trophies to the host and that was it. You know, I remember Pete, another Pete story. First time that uh, Stetson's in the TAC baseball tournament. We're over at Georgia Southern. And there's a little handbook, but it doesn't cover much. It says, play the games and the winner gets the trophy. And so the host would decide everything about when you're doing pregame, you know, when we're going to do batting. And uh, Pete got pissed because there was not a policy and he'd been the visiting team. He goes, I've been the visiting team twice. You know, he's playing Georgia Southern for the final. He goes, I'm the home team. He's like, nope, you're the visitor. And I was like, where? And so they're trying to get uh, the commissioner on the phone. And, you know, there's no cell phones. You you call right. his office, you call his home. And and they said, well, he's at the golf course. And so they called the golf course and they said, go get him. And I'm like, I'm not going to go get commissioner, you know. And uh, so he, he didn't get an answer. He had to play as a visiting team. And he's probably still mad about that. Probably but, is. Uh, but yeah, we, we didn't have policies. So that was the second career. You know, after I did the media for a number of years, I, I was the basically the uh, championships administrator for all our sports and learned all of that, learned all the rules, you know, start getting on committees and stuff. And, uh, you know, and then when Bill uh, retired in uh, 2006, I became the commissioner in 2007. So, uh, yeah, I guess that means I'm in my 13th year. 13, 14th year as commissioner. Can't, 14th can't remember commissioner. people, but I can still do math. 29 years overall with the conference. Does it seem like it's just flown by for you? Yeah, it really does. You know, my daughter's uh, got her driving permit. She's 15. And, uh, you know, time does fly. And everybody 
who's older than you gives you the advice to, you know, treasure every moment, value every day. And I don't know, uh, maybe when I hit 50, uh, it started to make a little bit of sense. And uh, I said like, Hey, you know what? They were right. Uh, and uh, there was a point in my life when I graduated Stetson, my parents got me a guitar. And uh, so I'm single, I got a guitar and I spent some time uh, trying to learn how to play it. Took some lessons at Stetson, you know, in the music school, mm -hmm. got some guitar lessons and uh, uh, tried to write a couple songs. I don't know if they ever made it, but uh, in one of them, it was about the knowledge that your, uh, your elders provide. And one of the lines was, I've been every age you've been. <laughs> and we forget that sometimes that Truth. anybody that's older than you, they've already been 10, they've been 12, they've been 21, they've been 30, they, you know, so it's not like they didn't get there, you know, they weren't born 60 years old. And <laughs> so I wasn't born, you know, 58 years old. I, I've been that age, uh, but it is a different world. And uh, my student experience, my student athlete experience, I used to compare it to the, the current generation can't anymore. No. Just we need that layer of, of others in between, you know, the thirties and the twenties mm -hmm. that uh, can relate to the teenagers that are playing now. And, and that's okay. There's, there's a good constructive role for everyone and uh, we're all contributing and uh, yeah, definitely take that every day is a gift and uh, nothing's promised. So do your best, you know, make a difference today and smile. And, uh, you know, if we can entertain someone with these stories, if we make somebody laugh, then good. Let's do it again. Love Stetson Athletics? Then join the team behind the team. Donate to the Hatter Athletic Fund to help keep your Stetson Hatters at the top of elite competition. If you're interested in donating to provide opportunities for Stetson student-athletes, log on to GoHatters.com and click on the Hatter Athletic Fund link in the Support the Hatters tab. So 42 years for the ASUN slash TAC, 37 full-time members in the league. There have also been nine former associate members in the league. So you start talking about a lot of schools. How many of those schools have you had a chance to visit during your time in the conference? You know, it's probably easier which ones didn't I visit. And uh, <laughs> the ones I never went to were probably the earliest. You know, Oklahoma City was in for one year. I've never been right. to that campus. Uh, I've never been to Pan Am. Uh, which was University of Texas Pan American. Then it was Pan American. Now it's University of Texas Rio Grande Valley, uh, right on the border between the U.S. and Mexico, yeah. and uh, yeah. probably a pretty cool place, but I've never been there. And uh, believe it or not, I've never been to Little Rock. Uh, University of Arkansas, Little Rock, uh, you know, was in the, the old tech, and that's a, mm -hmm. a place I've never been. The rest of them, I think I've been there either during business or for other business, and uh, – I uh, still keep in touch with Dave Cohen, longtime voice of Georgia State. And uh, Dave's a, still a big sports fan, and we communicate. And uh, I owe him a, a TAC golf flag. I still have about six of those uh, with an intention of getting them signed by people like Hal Sutton and Jody Mudd, who mm -hmm. uh, won PGA Tour events and they're TAC graduates. But uh, Dave, Dave said he was in uh, the Texas San Antonio uh, and the Little Rock uh, arenas recently, and they still have their TAC championship banners flying. So, uh, you know, it's, it's good to know. And, uh, you know, a lot of good memories with all those teams, you know, uh, 
still mad that Little Rock's really good team didn't beat. Uh, I think they lost to Notre Dame in overtime in the second round of the NCAA's. So 16 different states and D.C. have had membership in the A-Sun. Hard to imagine that the conference has been that, I guess, nebulous is the best way to describe it over the years. Where do you see the future? I mean, obviously NJIT leaving and made you a Twitter superstar overnight. And uh, <laughs> now Bell- Bellarmine coming in. Um, but what's the future for the A-Sun? Well, uh, let me put the history in a little context because, yeah, I've lived through uh, a lot of it. And uh, between me and Bill Bibb, who was a founding member of the TAC, right. uh, he was the right. basketball coach at Mercer and then became the AD at Mercer. So from him to me, we span the entire history. Uh, and I spent an awful lot of time with him in cars driving to basketball games. I bet. And, uh, love Bill. Uh, he's, he's still alive, lives in uh, Macon. Uh, he has uh, dementia and isn't able to recognize people. So uh, that's really sad. But uh, the memories are forever. So Bill and I spent tons of time uh, going to games. Uh, and I'd, I'd get to sit at the you know press row with a table in front of me and all the, the information and Bill would tell me what they're talking about in the huddle. He goes, oh, here's what they're going to do. And he knew what they were going to run. He'd, he'd be right more than, than not. And I learned so much and had a lot of great memories, you know, from, from doing all that. But the, the history of the league is that we have never had the same membership for five years in a row. I'm not even sure we've had it for four years in a row. <clears throat> so you recruit a student athlete. They come to campus. They're opponents that they play in the league uh, over their career, every one of them had a membership change. Everyone, either somebody coming in or somebody leaving. And uh, so people look at it and say, well, you know, why? Why is that? There's three main reasons. Uh, History has just defined it. It's not my opinion. One, we've always been a, a, a varied geography. So uh, as we're going through now with the COVID and geography became more important uh, for NJIT and the other ASUN schools, uh, that was a factor. So geography's always been a factor. We were the Transamerica. So that name, you know, the word trans means across. Uh, And uh, America is the name of our country. Uh, So across America, you know, that was our name, but it wasn't really a great way to build a conference. It was uh, a way to get a basketball bid, uh, get eight schools together and get a bid into that tournament. Because uh, when the conference was formed in 78, uh, the, the basketball tournament was just beginning to become a thing. And you may remember in 1979, it was a pretty good championship game. That was the Bird Magic Championship. So that is a good there. time uh, to start getting into, you know, conference basketball, getting an AQ. So that's what it was. Eight schools that could get an AQ. So you went from Oklahoma City to uh, Mercer and uh, down to Pan American at the edge of Mexico. So the geography has always been a challenge. The second thing is football. We have never sponsored football. Uh, we've almost always had football members. And, you know, you don't have to tell anybody in the Southeast that, uh, College football, uh, it's a pretty big thing. It's a big deal. 
So that pushes, you know, people in and out as they either do or don't have football. Uh, FIU, FAU, UCF, uh, you know, that, that's been a constant uh, state of flux. East Tennessee joined us when they dropped football. They left us when they added football. Uh, so football is just a dynamic that we, we continue to address and need to address. But the third element uh, is, is the, the dynamic element of growing schools. And I just say that uh, over our history, uh, we've developed a balance between public and private and uh, the schools that come in and then leave, uh, like a UCF, uh, were dynamic institutions, growing institutions that we fit them perfectly for 15 years. We don't fit them now. Right. They're changed. Uh, and that's okay. Mm. Uh, you know, Centenary College was in the uh, a charter member of the TAC. Right. We had Centenary and UCF at the same time. UCF had more student athletes than Centenary had students. 893. Yeah. Uh, that was their that was their enrollment. They didn't need to be Division One anymore. Uh, what did they have in common with UCF? Uh, well, the Centenary and Central Florida both began with C E N T. Uh, that was in common. That was about uh, it. Yeah, that's about it. So uh, it evolved that that balance, just because of the nature of it you generally keep it because mm -hmm. both sides are cognizant of the value of the others, academic value and longevity value and, and resource value and market value. And so those, they get balanced and the state institutions uh, we've always, uh, you know, preferred to get the growing institution. Uh, you know, this isn't a knock. This is just uh, an observation, uh, a conference like the OVC, uh, very uh, consistent membership the last 15 years. Those schools have the exact same profile they had 15 years ago as far as student enrollment and uh, their population uh, areas and things. And that's great. That's stability. That's uh, certainty. The ASUN, that's not who we are. It's not what we are. So if we take a new school and we take uh, Florida Atlantic into the conference uh, as they move to Division One, and you know now they're uh, in Conference USA. We were the right place for them for ten or fifteen years, whatever it was. Right. But it's okay to add a member knowing that they're a growing, dynamic institution, and that they may only be in for seven to ten years. It's still okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's another factor. So that's part of why we've had so many different schools. Sure. Uh, number one, about eight years ago, the presidents uh, were looking at realignment and people moving. We had to make some serious decisions. And they, as a group, uh, me as a commissioner listening and taking their advice, said, I don't want to raise the buyout. I don't want to create uh, an unbreakable bond. I want our schools to be able to be all that they're able to be. And if there's an option, they should move where they fit best. That being said, let's make this conference an attractive, desirable place for like-minded institutions to compete in athletics. So we committed to that. And uh, people act surprised sometimes when, uh, you know, we add a school that uh, they didn't think was going to be part of our program and we lose a school, then we're able to add another. 
And uh, I will tell you quite honestly, uh, we, we have schools that want to be members of the ASUN. Uh, and that's because we've built a good, solid program. Uh, our teams, uh, maybe not one through nine in every sport, but we compete in every sport. And our top three or four uh, are as good as the top of the CCA 22, you know, up to the Atlantic 10 and, and even uh, able to beat the big five. Uh, I think Jacksonville had three wins. They had a lacrosse win. They had a uh, baseball win and something else within 24 hours. They beat like Oregon and something and right. uh, Texas and something else. I mean, we can compete. Sure. And uh, that's one of the reasons people say, you know what? That would be a good place for us. We will compete better in that league. Uh, some, it doesn't work. You know, when Upstate left, uh, I think they found a better fit. They didn't have the resources. They didn't recruit Florida. So that was just an expense. They didn't have the money to take advantage of being in Jacksonville and being in Nashville. They were a local satellite school and a bus to go to all their teams is much more valuable for them to conduct a successful program and they will win more and they will uh, stay within their means. So they're in the right place. That's okay too. So looking forward, I think we have uh, a couple of initiatives that are underway uh, looking at future membership. One of them involves football and whether or not uh, there's ever a time where we can sponsor the sport of football. We have a partnership with the big South, So uh, really, we will become uh, a football conference when that population grows to 12. Exact same thing we did with the Southern Conference in lacrosse. We sponsored it. When we got to 12, we split. And they they sponsor six and we sponsor six. And if it ever comes that we don't have enough, we'll consolidate back to one. And so that partnership with the Big South has grown. They have the most uh, football schools they've ever had at nine uh, if we were talking to two or three more that might want to join and, and open a new football league, uh, that's entirely possible. So that's one thing we're looking at. Sure. Another is this COVID environment where the NIT uh, departure uh, was something we all agreed was the right thing. Absolutely. There's some of those dynamics going on in other leagues where schools might be interested in uh, getting back to their, uh, you know, closer geographic footprint that, right. uh, We've had a, a series of expansion and the dynamics and conference uh, was paid for by media contracts. And now maybe that's changing. Uh, conference USA is not in the best position uh, geographically and financially because the media contract no longer supports uh, the rationale to have your baseball team go from you know Virginia to Texas. And that's just reality. So there are some of those dynamics in play where we're having discussions with schools that uh, might be interested uh, in being part of uh, the ASUN. And uh, we are looking at the possibility of creating divisions. You know, it's always something we've looked at. We've had it. And so whether they're football schools or not, uh, that uh, whether they're reclassifying or current uh, Division One schools, uh, we, we spend a lot of time, you know, doing the background. Uh, investigation, learning about the relationships. We talk constantly with our presidents, either individually or in small groups. We have a futures committee and they guide me. My job is to present options and their job is to to narrow them and say, nah, I don't think we want to do that. And like, okay, 
the more people I talk to, the more information I get. Sure. And, you know, I do that every day. So I think we're going to have options and it'll be up to the presidents to decide which direction will provide us the best long-term growth and continually making the ASON as strong as it can be. Our local bottler, Coca-Cola Beverages Florida, is a proud sponsor of Stetson Athletics. They make sure you have the perfect addition to any game day, the refreshing taste of an ice-cold Coke. Stetson Athletics and Coke Florida, a winning combination. Going back last, I guess it was late, early last fall or even last summer, the big announcement about the future of the conference, how much of that framework has now been put on hold more or less because of this COVID-19 or is it still moving forward? I mean, obviously you're always looking for options, but how much of you've had to take a step back from that? Yeah. Hey, that's a great question. We did announce that it was January. It was during the convention and part of the timing was we were afraid they were going to put a moratorium in. Uh, they did it for single sport conferences uh, they were discussing the Division Three school, St. Thomas in Minnesota, uh, its desires to move to Division One, And, you know, we smelled a moratorium coming. And uh, so we made that uh, announcement. We wrote a letter to uh, the NCAA. It stated that the CCSA, right. our sister conference that sponsors swimming and beach volleyball, and we actually have uh, our administrators uh, are running that conference. Mm-hmm. And it's a good it's a good tool. It gives us another piece of uh, relationships that we have with different schools, and 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 uh, has guided us with information a lot in the membership field. So the CCSA, uh, its board invited seven of the ASUN schools, the seven that would allow them to become a new conference, invited them in. Said, "Hey, we invite you to join the CCSA and thereby create uh, another multi-sport conference." And that would meet the definitions in the NCAA. And therefore, you'd go to the council and say, we'd like to be recognized in the book. We're a conference. And uh, so that was the plan. And that group, you know, could start a new conference. We'd repopulate the the old conference. And Mm -hmm. once you have two, you can do whatever you want with them. You can play one sport in one league and one sport in the other league. And had a lot of flexibility options that would have solved football, would have solved the geography, and it would have solved scheduling. Uh, We would have flexibility in all of those sports. If we have, you know, nine beach volleyball schools, we play one. We get to 12, we play two. We go back to 10, we play one. I mean, it's just a a logical uh, experiment to, to go down, but we no longer have the seven to do that. Uh, but doesn't mean that that's completely off the table. There's partner conferences that if they wanted to do it, they still need the CCSA and the invitation. And uh, I don't think any new conferences will be approved by the NCAA right now, but the CCA, the CCSA is already a division one conference. So we don't need to go through the uh, membership process. So it's still a possible, uh, uh, you know, thing to activate, but it's not likely. Just yes, very very low. But uh, forming some additional partnerships, like we've done in football and and lacrosse, I think I think that will come. And I think the whether it's the CCSA or others, uh, as people drop sports and people look to each other to say, "Hey, you got four, I got four, but neither of us have six anymore. What are we going to do?" Uh, sometimes they all consolidate under one of those umbrellas and sometimes they want to be something else. You know, I was like, well, 
eh, I don't really want to play in the Sun Belt, you know, so you call it the CCSA and like, oh, that's cool. We'll just play in this neutral conference. Uh, so I think a lot more of that's going to come. And uh, as commissioners, you know, part of our job is is to build those options. You know, don't just say, oh, nobody ever did that before. It's like, no, let's go build an option. And if it works, great. And in that announcement we made in January, uh, I did a video. And uh, if people have watched it, they might recall that uh, I said, this will succeed if the market is satisfied with it. If you find the six schools we need, uh, then it will work. If we don't, then it won't. And that was exactly what happened. We, we had a meeting with four schools. We had a meeting with six schools. Uh, we had a seventh say they wanted in, and we're almost to the eighth. That would have made it happen. And just timing, by the time you, know, you get there, we had some changes uh, in presidents. We had some changes in you know, thinking. And uh, bringing an option to someone and then activating it, you know, those are different. You know, we, we, we kind of conducted it as a secret plan. And who doesn't love a secret plan? Hey, I'll tell you about the secret plan. Well, everybody wants to listen. And when it becomes reality, uh, some of them just, they just can't pull the trigger and do it. Others uh, have decided it's more important to make a move. You know, that's where the NJIT moved. That wasn't anything we were contemplating or they were contemplating. Circumstances uh, dictated that. So, uh, yeah, we continue to have a lot of discussions with a lot of schools. And uh, I, I was asked, how confident are you that uh, you'll have the membership needed to continue to be strong and, and viable? I said, we were confident enough to unanimously vote that NJIT can leave. Uh, that's how confident our council is. Show your Stetson spirit and get your green on with officially licensed tees, sweats, hoodies, and more. Go to www.shopgohatters.com. All your Hatters gear is just a click away. Visit www.shopgohatters.com today. I will share uh, in wrapping it up that uh, the Stetson community has always been a tremendous uh, home. And I still consider it home. And uh, from when Doug Lee became the president uh, to his retirement and then unfortunate passing, uh, that was a shock to my system. If you, you know, the things that rocked me the most uh, since I left Stetson, Doug's passing, you know, Dick, it was probably in the normal uh, circle of life that, that Dick had completed his. It was awesome. But, uh, you know, that gave the opportunity for me to meet Wendy Libby. And uh, we've had a tremendous relationship and I'm looking forward to meeting President Rolke and getting started with him. And uh, I think the folks like yourself, uh, Jamie and, and Chris, who've been in the SID office that uh, can relate to the fact that the commissioner once sat there, uh, maybe not that exact office, but hey, he was the SID here at Stetson, uh, still hold those relationships uh, in very high esteem. Love my time at Stetson. Love whenever I get back on campus and really appreciate you giving me the platform to share a few stories and uh, uh, even laughing at myself at some of them. But that was that was great. Great trip down memory lane and appreciate the opportunity. It was great having you on today and uh, maybe we can do this again sometime. And that'll do it for this edition of Hatter Chatter, the podcast presented by Insight Credit Union. I'd like to thank all of our corporate sponsors who make it possible for Stetson University and Stetson Athletics to provide our more than 400 student-athletes a quality experience 
on the courts and fields of competition in the same way the faculty provides all Stetson University students a quality educational experience. Those sponsors include, of course, our presenting sponsor, Insight Credit Union. Other sponsors include Florida Public Utilities. Visit askforgas.com for more information. GEICO Insurance. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com to find out how. Advent Health. Visit westvolusia.com. Old Florida, new vibe. Coca-Cola Beverages of Florida. The Alliance Community for Retirement Living. Bud Light, the official beer of Stetson University. Florida Orthopedic Associates. If it hurts, see them first. Hampton Inn and Suites of Deland. ImageWorks, your one-stop corporate identity shop. Main Street Community Bank, familiar name, familiar faces, familiar bank. Morningstar Storage, the space you need, the way you want it. Orlando Sanford International Airport. Visit flysfb.com, simpler, faster, better. Total Comfort, the name you can trust. And Weston Lake Mary Orlando North, for a better you. Thank you to all of our corporate sponsors.